Toronto! I wonder if they can hear it on Long Island. Great move. What a goal. Beauty. Austin Matthews. Bless you, boys. What a game. Welcome to the MLHS podcast. It is October. We are in 2022. I feel like I'm writing myself like a future letter right now by opening like that. But we have a new season upon us and we have a few familiar friends that have joined us for the episode to start this season. I'll let you guys introduce yourself. Um, Dan, we'll start with you. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm Dan. I used to post that PPP under the name Dao. You can find me on Twitter, uh, posting under Danny D1976. And I'm just here to keep things as positive as possible while you nihilists go off about, uh, about the Leafs. And also Italian, I just found out. So we, we're now, we're now you know, taking over the podcast one Italian at a time. <laughs> God till Peterborough, Ontario. Uh, 62240, the Dr. Fraser Crane of Leafs Nation. I am listening, Toronto. And uh, the only man too hot for the Steve Dangle podcast. So I am here with y'all tonight. And there's nowhere I'd rather be than with Leaf fans talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right on. So we got the size and weight, but not how much you bench. I feel a little like left out on that. Like you got to, if you're going to go size only. and weight. <laughs> you got enough in the drivetrain, then upper body strength is irrelevant. Or how fast you do your 40. Give me a leave. Give me a solid place to stand and I will move the world. Archimedes or me in the corners, baby. <laughs> this current Leafs team could use. So as we talk of this current Leafs team and this new season upon us, and as I say this, the Leafs are stomping the Habs in this preseason game. It's three, nothing right now. Willie has two. And I do feel just a very quick note that I need to say this, even though this is a Leafs podcast. And I want to talk about the season ahead and a number of things. This is the second time the Leafs have played the Habs with uh, Savakoski in the lineup. And I have not noticed him a lick. Like he has not existed. The bus potential is off the charts with that it, pick. It always like, has been. Like there's all those indicators you know, guy has a couple good tourneys and shoots up the stock, but doesn't really have numbers. As a Leaf fan, I have experienced a guy having a good world junior <laughs> and doing absolutely nothing in the NHL. I mean, I this game, the Leafs actually are icing a, a, a pretty solid lineup. But the first game in Toronto, the Leafs weren't icing much of one. And was I was sitting, Yeah. And I was sitting there thinking... This kid is going to light the Leafs up. He's going to come out jacked up. He's probably going to run a few guys over because he's also like 6'4". And people are going to be like going off about it. And it's going to be super annoying. And he did literally nothing. And he's following that up again. And you have the GM talking about his scoring chance numbers in like intra-squad like preseason games with like the shittiest roster in the league. So it's like, congrats. Are, not? are we, are we getting practice stats? Yeah. He was like, he led, like, he's like in the inter-squad games, he like led them in scoring chances. So I was like, Oh my God, if you are, this is a first overall pick. We're going scoring chances yeah, in want, practice. I don't want to I jinx it, but he, he could be the next Dale Yakupov for sure. You know, he, like I, I'd like to think he becomes at least a player of something. Like I'm not saying like really good numbers before he got drafted. Yeah. Draft your numbers. I know he was playing in a pro league versus junior, but you're like, those are like third liner and like seventh rate European men's league numbers. He's also just a winger numbers. Yeah. He's just, (laughs) 
There's some real so, strong Spengler Cup vibes on that pick. <laughs> they didn't take Kingston's own Shane Wright, and people are going to be people are going to get punished for that. Shane Wright is going to punish some people for that. I think so too. He would have. like they he was on the top of the board too long, so everybody like uh, like overthought it and Galaxy brained themselves into thinking that he wasn't that good. Uh, like I remember, it was like it was like how uh, not going to mention names, Corey Pronman, a couple other people started <laughs> to Galaxy brain themselves into being like, actually, Patrick Line is a better player than Austin Matthews because we've been thinking about no, Austin Matthews. Let's not even go there. It's, it's just uh, it turned out you should have just uh, you know taken fucking Austin Matthews. But that one was an interesting one too because I remember at the time um, it was Vic Carnero that pointed it out. He's a Leaf scout now, and he worked with Dubas before on the Sioux. But I remember him tweeting at the time like this will be an interesting one to look back on because like all the European scouts like swear that line is better. And like at the time, like Matthews was playing it in Switzerland. Yeah. So it was interesting that like that bias, like swayed that way. I mean, there's, there was never any conversation to be had for me, but like now there's like really no conversation. Like, it's there like, was, oh, it's yeah, like, it's, it's, it's it, ridiculous. Like, to even bring it up is ridiculous, you know. This early on, people could like at least make a case because it looked like Line might be like a 60 goal winger. Yeah, I but, remember like, that horrible game where we blew like a lead to the Jets and he oh my god, and he scored the overtime yeah, winner and just ripped it. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, when that I and I think about that, I actually think this is a pretty good transition, you know, when the Leafs drafted Austin Matthews it was super exciting. Like that was like must watch so hockey for me. Like did I, I tell you, did I tell you guys where I was when, when Matthews got drafted? So I was, I was on vacation in Florida and I was at the Fort Myers airport and they were like, they were, they were getting ready to do, to do the, um, to do the draft or do the lottery. And I was in the airport bar and it wasn't kind of coming up yet. So I walked over with my kids and we're waiting in line. And all I hear is this fucking crazy. Yeah. And I started checking Twitter or whatever, you know, and I, I'm in line with dudes. Lottery we're we're high, like, the, the lottery win. Yeah. The lottery win, right? Yeah. yeah, the lottery win. And so I'm in, I'm in line waiting to board. And I'm high-fiving and stuff. You know, my kids like wasn't Leaf at that point yet. She's like, what's happening? I'm like, the Leafs just got won the lottery. They're getting the best player in, like, in the world, basically, you know? The so O-Dog I, celebration I, at the time. Yeah. If you guys remember, O-Dog he was fired up on TSN there. It was pretty awesome somewhere in the GTA. I I remember that season. I was like it, the schedule was up on, on the fridge and it was like, don't even ask me. It's a Tuesday. It's a Thursday. It was all 82. It was live. It was like, don't like, it's embarrassing. We have to talk about the debut because that was like the most, one of the most electrifying games of hockey I've ever watched as a Yeah. And, and like, I think that's an interesting kickoff too, though. Yeah. yeah. Because where it now? was, it was exciting. He scored four, but they lost. And he blamed himself for the blown coverage in OT. It was his fault in overtime. It was, yeah, without question. And I'm not saying that game like is a microcosm of anything or not connecting any dots to that way, but that's essentially been a thread with this team where things have been exciting at times, but when it's come down to it, did they actually win? No. And no. And obviously that hasn't happened. And I don't know about you guys. And I especially want to know the Peterborough situation here. But I, when I'm hearing all my friends right now, not a single one of them is interested in this season. Like they just, they're not excited. They do not want to watch. And I would say a lot of my friends are what I would consider above average Leaf fans. Like they're usually in for all 82 they go to their five plus games a season in the arena. Like they're not fair weather fans. They know what's happening. They follow the off season. They follow the draft. 
They follow all the, the, if they know what's happening with the Marlies, like they're not casuals. And the thing that I'm hearing around at least my circle so far is I just, I can't watch these guys again. It is the same shit. They're going to have a good regular season. Let me know in April until then. I just can't bring myself to, I'm not talking about me. I'm saying, this is what I'm hearing is I just can't get invested in the games and I can't get invested in this season. It's and funny, what are you guys it's, hearing? It, it's, I would say most of my friends are still kind of same old, same old, like they're going to watch hockey. Um, but I've been finding myself having thoughts creeping in my head. Like I'm, I'm still jacked because I go to, I go to a bunch of live games. So I always love that. And my kids into it, you know, and I've mentioned before, like, I think my kid keeps me more, keeps me more engaged, but I found myself thinking like, yeah, man, this is a great team again. They're going to do well but like, it doesn't really matter, you know? And I, and I, it was the first time I've had that, 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 that kind of thought slip in my head where, okay, yeah, I'm going to enjoy watching hockey, but are they actually going to get it fucking done this year? You know, when it, when it matters. And so, so I understand that mindset when fans have gotten there and they've gotten there before I have, Um, it does feel like a lot more of the same of the same. And it's almost, it's, it's funny to think about where we are now when we're like, oh yeah, our team's going to put up 110 points, whatever, you know, we watched fucking miserable teams with, you know, yeah, Ace and Blake and whoever, you know, we watched with bated breath. And, um, but now it's like, we can't be bothered to watch, you know, a team that has maybe the best natural goal score of the last, you know, aside from Ovechkin of the last like, you know, 30, 40 years. And we're like, eh, call me in April, but I kind of get it. You know, I kind of get it. For me, it's not about what I'm hearing. It's about what I'm seeing. And I'm seeing lots of Kelly Yarncroft jerseys. I'm seeing lots of Nicholas Obeki <laughs> Bell jerseys. I'm seeing lots of Zach Aston Reese jerseys. Guys. Is this on the television or in Peterborough? Just to clarify, <laughs> like, where go. are you seeing these things? Uh, no, um, honestly, I, I will try to like uh, give you the contrarian take. Is I'm actually I I definitely feel a lot of the same feelings that you guys are. I, I've, it's very relatable to me. But I am actually more interested in the team this year than I was going into last year. Um, Okay. I had a real hard time with that happening. That really, really, really sat very poorly. Yeah. And I honestly think uh, what they did do over the offseason, jokes aside, is actually kind of interesting. And mm-hmm. and I think, I mean, Kyle's job's on the line here, right? And it's a fascinating storyline that, you know, we can and will argue like overall the job he's done. But like, dude built a 115 point team, the shitty goaltending. Obviously, overall, he's done a lot more positive than negative in terms of you know what you can control i i would argue that he's repeatedly bet on his players and they have never backed him where they've never come through for him he's, he's bet on these guys he's supported these guys he's signed these guys he's paid these guys and they've let him down and so he comes he's on the precipice this year and with it all hanging in the balance his 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 job you know this this market in Toronto, this team that he's built, whether they're going to get over the hump, and he's betting it on Matt Murray and Ilya Samsonov, and that is interesting to me. That is fascinating. So I'm more interested this year than I was last, even though it, yeah, it, it, it is it is a good. I have a hard time caring about the regular season because ultimately it won't matter. Until the game. Yeah, and I think it, it it is interesting. I think now with with Dubis's contract not being renewed, it adds that extra element. But what I liked about the off season is that he didn't do anything reckless, I'll say. And we've seen there's lots of evidence and lots of um, um, examples of GM saying, screw it, I'm going to do the X whatever move, knowing that in five years, this isn't my problem. And he didn't, he didn't do any of that. He was like, nope, I believe in my guys and I'm going to make a bunch of tweaks 
but I'm not, I'm still going to double down on, on my core. And I think, you know, I was it's, a about, core. It's, it's a great core. It's, it's a great core. core and I think seem to not have to worry about going anywhere is very long. Like we think of it as just like Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner, who you get like insane to trade, but like Jake Muzzin, Pierre Engvall, like there's all these guys who just seem to be like guys who are going to be on the team. So, so what you said there though, is why I've started to argue. I think he did the easiest possible thing this summer, which was essentially run it back because he knows they're a good regular season team. He's bought himself 82 games here. Like the actual, like, and I'm not saying he needed to just do something for the sake of doing it, but what would have made it a lot more interesting this season if is if, is if he shook it up. And now you get 82 is, is games to is, see how that plays out. But is interesting what you want, or do you actually want just like, what is the correct path forward? And, and there's no way of knowing what yeah. that is, obviously, you know, but I, I'm not an advocate of doing like of making moves. No, so I, I wonder, I wonder if there's a part of me where this group is just a little too comfortable. And I think it might be good to get them a little bit unsettled and a little bit uneasy. Uh, but that, but that's, like, that, that's not his MO though. And, I, you, and you mentioned yeah. earlier, like he, his whole thing is that he believes in his guys. Right. Yeah, he's going to uh, like, yeah. I respect that if he's going to go out, he's going to go, you know, as a Manchester city fan, I remember like early in Pep Guardiola's tenure in England, he lost some game to Leicester or whatever. And he just came out and he's like, Oh, sorry. You didn't like the defending. You want me to coach these guys to tackle? I'm not going to do that. Like basically just being like, fuck you. If I succeed or fail here, I'm going to do it. Myself. Yeah. But I also say too, like when we, everyone here watched the Quinn, the years, and we all know that Quinn was blamed, like, constantly heard it about being loyal to his guys yeah but at least those guys won a few things yeah like they had a ton of guys there that actually like won before they got here and like one big playoff series they made like a couple conference finals like they did (laughs) make a couple conference (laughs) finals with quinn at least quinn could sit there and be like well hold on like we've actually gone somewhere and quinn used to take shit for it all the time like these guys have won but i do wonder I, I wonder, and I've been thinking about this a lot over the offseason, you know, how much of it is attributable to just dudes getting older and having the experience? Because you look at that, because yeah. the, the, the Tampa lineup was an old, oldish lineup for sure. I mean, Pittsburgh and Chicago were not super old, especially in the core when they won. No, but I think Pittsburgh, and that's interesting because I think Pittsburgh well, and Chicago. Sid won, Sid won a cup in like year four. Yeah, I mean, but I think, he went I to think a cup Pittsburgh, in year three. Pittsburgh and Chicago, I think set unrealistic expectations of young rosters. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's realistic that they would have won a few rounds by now. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. We talk about they, Tampa and Washington failing. Like those teams were making conference finals. No, no, I, I, absolutely. Yeah. I do think the idea that there's something that comes with getting older and going through it, you know? Um, I, I think so. But they also haven't gone through it to that point. Like, it's not like they've even won a round and had they any had sort of like war of attrition. The second round. <laughs> yeah. Like we've never seen a signature game. Um, and by well, that, we've, well, we've seen been, signature games. It's not the ones we want to see. Yeah. I said I, it last year. I said Austin, like, like when we were taping this podcast six months ago, so about three episodes ago. Um, <laughs> hey, big time loyal listener here, you know. <laughs> But you do um, love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, we have the best player in the world. That should win you at least one series because there should be one or two games where the best player in the world. Yeah, he just goes nuts. Because he's the best player in the world, goes off yeah. and gets a couple games. Didn't happen. Which is what McDavid did. And I know everyone was like, well, that was against LA. But the guy he was literally doing it against is the guy that shut Matthews down quite literally the year before. Which well, was Phillips to know. That I could have seen made. And it's weird. You want to talk about, because I feel like, 
you're saying that like Kyle doesn't take as much heat as Pat Quinn. I feel like Kyle takes a fair amount of heat. Could take more. The the the, the, the landscape, the media I, landscape is so. Different. I think people are falling over themselves to defend him. What I find odd is that the one obvious move that you could make because you can't trade 25 guys especially with a salary cap roster that's as locked in as this is that there wasn't a lot more talk about about a new coach and i think sheldon is a good coach i think he does a good job but if there was ever a team where you're like okay well something needs to change and you know you can't win any trades shipping out guys like mitch martyr and john Tavares. what we've got to do here is get a different voice in and try something different and, but i think, I, I think that's that's probably reflective of the of the way that the series played out though because it wasn't like like montreal was a fucking shit show and they were lucky to make it go to seven this was it was a good series we're up and... 3-1 how are we lucky that it went seven no no <laughs> <laughs> It, it, that, that was a disaster series this this one i mean by contrast this one was like they they, they weren't trailing in the series and like until they lost the series basically. a lot of good a lot of good stuff in the handshake lines definitely i heard a lot of good we weren't we weren't going to talk about this you guys i got criticized for pointing that out on twitter like a week ago because dubas brought it up again and this is where i find and that, that's and, that's their interest squad numbers it's like it, the comments in the in the handshake lines were 37 percent more respectful this year than they were in columbus <laughs> when it was just it was just guys like going eat shit it was just purely to one the entire handshake line look now, here's where it's wild to me too because i pointed this out because dubas had made this comment like two weeks ago where i guess he did an interview with steve simmons and in the quote i had put the whole block in and he did say like you know, like obviously winning is the most important thing, but then he, he made a little point but of like slipping that, in there. Tweet. You know that, how we feel yeah. about the Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. Right. Like, and people are sitting there and they're like, uh, did you read the sentence? Did you read the sentence before and the sentence after? I'm like, first of all, I'm probably the only one here that read the article, but beyond that, this is like little children fool you with this. He, he shouldn't they, have said anything. They, about yeah, that. they like, tell you what you want to hear. And you know, it. you have kids. They tell you what you want to hear. They throw in a fucking sentence about how they actually feel. And then they wrap it back up with what you want to hear. And that's what he did. Like they do definitely take some form of like, you know, we're like, we're getting there. Like we felt it a little bit more last year, like in, in whatever way you want to, who the fuck loses game seven at home and then comes out and references the handshake line like in the post, me, like that night. Part of me feels, part of me feels for, for any, any, any uh, athlete or, or GM or coach. Cause you have to say bullshit, but you also don't have to say that kind of bullshit as well. Like he yeah. could not touch that at all. And that just opens up all sorts of, you know, as you did open up for, for criticism, right? Like, Oh, you're, you're, you're hanging your hat on the fact that people pat you on the back. Of the He's probably getting iced if they don't win around this year. So he can say whatever he wants. Yeah. Like, as he should. Yeah. At this point, anything that's interesting. Matters. Like, like, have you, have you seen Austin's quotes about what he learned last year? Have you seen Mitch Marner's quotes? I've read some of them. They don't, you know, nothing. Really? And, and that's why part of me was like, it would have been interesting if they shook it up just to make everyone a little bit more uneasy because I don't think they're feeling any pressure. I think they're coming into the year like we're going to cruise to a top three spot in the Atlantic. Provided like Matt Murray and Ken Sonoff don't it, like embarrass themselves. I think they're the division favorites. I think they are as well. And I think the, the off season was interesting. And it was, you know, it's very similar to last year where it's the core that's still there. It's the exact same thing. And but, the exact but, same but, team. The, the, the only difference... Like, Anthony, just run the tape from last September. We'll just... <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the difference I was thinking about it, the difference is that the, the guys they signed 
there's less guys where I think they're hoping for like, not home run, but like, because with with Nick Ritchie and Kasha, you had kind of like, hey, these guys might have something that can really love. And bunting. And bunting. And they they struck gold with bunting, I think. They struck silver or bronze with camp. You know, Richie and Kasha were, were David Camp is solid fucking gold. Like, he's he's, yeah, he's I like Camp. We had some fucking guy, some jabroni on here being like, I don't know, David Camp's fucking bar charts don't say that he gets a lot of pucks on net, Anthony. Where's that some guy? Jabroni. Now? Where's Dave Camp but, now? Still centered on third line. So but, where's Miller on the broadcast? But I, I, yeah, I defend anyone always. And you're still here. <laughs> But do you guys think like I don't think there's anyone they sign where they think that there's a real home run potential? It seemed that no, they, they all they did was raise the floor of the team. They didn't they raise the floor, and, and, and it seemed that they were more they were more prescriptive with what they were looking for. They're like, okay, we're gonna find actual role guys for the bottom six, and not hope for like you know swinging for for some kind of you know home run with uh, a reclamation project. Um, but, but I think they needed. I think they year. needed a guy, though. I that was the thing to me. I, like I was fine bringing everyone back. Like I'm not actively sitting here saying just trade someone for the sake of shaking it up. Or... Baghead takes all show from you, Anthony. <laughs> Fucking, let's get Max Domi and Brendan Gallagher. And, you mentioned. You, know, you mentioned. I think Niederreiter. Gallagher would be good on this team. You mentioned yeah. Niederreiter actually in one of your articles. Yeah, I, I kind of slept on, that, and that would have been an interesting one. Pardon me. Has he signed anywhere? Yeah, he signed with Nashville for two years, four million, which is nothing. Basically, a shade over what Kerfoot's making. Because like that, that, that right? kind of move to me is like, if you're yeah. gonna bring everyone back, then like supplement them a little bit better, and not with Kelly Yarncroft, but like with a guy who's like actually like a twenty-plus okay, goal scorer. Like, like Kelly Yarncroft, what Kelly did Yarncroft he do to warrant a four-year contract? Questionable. That one that blew my mind. Down. You all never played video games, and you're just like, "Oh shit, this isn't gonna work." I'll just tack on a couple to the end here. And they they did make that longer than it need to be, and I I do want to go back for a sec because I want I want to qualify this comment where I, I said that I think people are falling over you themselves. Said that we should to, trade Mitch Marner for Max Domi. To the, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but in terms of people falling over themselves to defend the the regime <laughs> is. Like, and and I'll just say like like Chris Johnson put out an article and the literal headline that he yeah, tweeted is I saw this was coming. Why, why the Leafs would be crazy not to give Kyle Dubas another contract? And what was his blah 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 blah? It was if essentially he made, like, like he made a Kyle Dubas contract yeah. NFT that we can all buy into. <laughs> <laughs> right? It was it was their cumulative like this is where they've been in like points percentage and like standings in the last like four years. It completely ignored that he walked into an 105 point team. He inherited a good team, that tied for sixth move. in the league he that year. A lot of bad contracts. He made, he, some good but moves. they were a good team. Like. Yeah. Sure, he cleaned things up. I'm not saying he didn't, but at the end result, he literally is they're pretty much the exact in the exact same spot that they've been since he inherited them, to be honest. They are. And I think the difference the difference now is that, and this is where I think it's tough for him because when you have, they haven't competed for a president's trophy. They even. haven't, but they but they they've had good seasons. And I think if if I'm Dubis, you're in his spot, like Matthews, Marner, Nylander are young, youngish. Right. And how much do you have to, how much do you anticipate them, like them growing and contributing more? Right. Yeah. But and you weigh that against, like, oh. okay, if I move people out. Right. So, which is a weird thing because it, it looks like you're being complacent. 
right? You take over an 105 point team and that's with young, three young stars and they're not even in their primes yet. And at best you can say they've gone up a few points in the regular season. I told you, Anthony, that that general manager could bring in a top 10 forward in the entire NHL without giving up a single roster player. Yeah. And that they still wouldn't have won a single thing. I'd be like, well, something has, I know, but what I'm saying is like, he has made some major moves. Yeah. A lot of them have been good. And I know that like, we all want it to be better, but like the things that Chris said about, like, I don't read Chris Johnson columns. Um, my life is too good for that, but you know the numbers. I'm sure are true. The number, like they they do put up yeah. a ton of points in the regular season. They do they do really well, and we're not that far off. Like I don't know. I'm old enough to remember Dave Nonis running this team. I'm old enough to remember John Ferguson Jr. running this team, and so you know, like yes, he walked into a good situation, but he's also he's, there are a lot of ways you could fuck this up. He has not. He has not genuinely fucked it up and that is something and i wrote that last week too like that is there is something to be said about that like you can't take that away from him like he he hasn't done anything that's like genuinely crippling some i'm sure would argue the Tavares contract and then the subsequent contract negotiations that happened after that and crippling i'm not saying i would i'm just saying I'm sure some are going to listen. Tavares, I got say, no time for. I think Marner, yeah. you can you can quibble about about where he landed. But I don't think Tavares, it's a quibble. I think it's a genuine. Oh no, no, it's, it's a genuine, it's a genuine thing for sure. They overpaid I him think by Tavares two million dollars. Tavares thing looked great at the time and didn't hasn't worked out. Like yeah, I think it's fair to say, I've, like you doing if I could have a do over, knowing what it's been like, I would I wouldn't do it. But I, at the as, time, every like ninety eight percent of people loved that movie. It was elation, which, which was interesting because. One, I can say it as the person who broke the signing. I was the first person on it to confirm that day. I it thought was it was Chris Johnson. Pe- it wasn't. Yeah. I hear a lot of people saying Chris Johnson yeah. broke that yeah. signing. <laughs> I'm not even going to justify that with any number of the responses going through my head right now. But <laughs> beyond that, I can tell you people were fired up. But the most interesting is the person who my source at the time they instantly followed up with this contract is going to be terrible and this is going to be a big mistake from this team. Yeah, but what, 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 what UFA contract isn't terrible when you're signing yeah. a 28-year-old? Hey, I'm not... The structure of the league and the, and the contract. JT, JT had 47 goals. As of the day of this recording, I saw uh, Mike Camino, who does the This Day in History every day. He tweeted today. It, today was John Tavares' like, first ever regular season goal as a Leaf in 2018 and I was watching it and it was a sick little cut and move and snipe on price. And I watched it about 10 times today. Yeah. And I was like, if you had told me in 2018 that the Leafs would not have won a single playoff series and this the year, 2000, I would have put my house on it. Yeah. I would have said, take totally. the mortgage, take, I, there's just no way I could have fathomed this many years in a row of not <laughs> making at least one win. I think so it's tempting to think like, oh, this is like just kind of a classic situation. You have this talented team and they can't get over the hump. And like lots of teams go through this and fan bases. What we are experiencing is unprecedented in terms of yes. like how many times losing in the first round, how many times yeah. having a clinching game that you it, lose, like what, 14 in and, a row? And the hump that we're talking about is round one, which is insane, yeah. by the way. It's, like we're not talking... Like talking no, we're not talking Black Diamond, man. Yeah. We are talking about, you know, the bunny hill here. Yeah, sure. we're not talking like Colorado's like going around two every year and like losing in like game seven double overtime to like the St. Louis Blues right before they go on and win the cup. Mm-hmm. And then like Dallas in game seven or whatever it was, like right before they went to the cup. Like we're talking hey, win around. We've lost a lot of game sevens, to be fair. We can put up the number of game sevens lost with anybody. So yeah. learn how to win one. You're you're at home. Absolutely. Braden Point was out of the game. Win, you got to win a game. You have that this group can can win a game seven. 
They could have won that game six and made my prediction come true. They could have won all yeah. those games. I, I'm not saying that they couldn't, and I'm not saying that, like, if Still they mad. did, like, I would be floored. But anyone who says today that, like, they would feel genuinely confident, like, in their heart that, like, they're going to get a 10 out of 10 performance and, the, like, these guys are going to finally do it. Like, you're... See, so, and so that's, 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 what, that's a great point. And that's what's weird for me is that, Going into last year, I still believed in my heart like they got these guys got this game in them, right? Like they're gonna they're gonna show us something here. Oh man, they, they weren't bad in game seven. Year. They were they were bad, but it still felt like. And now I feel like, man, it's maybe we are maybe we are cursed. It's I felt I felt games where you're like they're not losing this game. I've even felt that yeah. with Leafs, but I felt that with other teams. So you're like they're not losing this game, man. We talk about Dubis and like so. One thing I wanted to say is that we and we talked about it in the chat Tiller. There hasn't been a, a Leafs GM that made it to five years since Cliff Fletcher, like Cliff Fletcher version one back in the early nineties. No G, no Leafs GM has made it to five years. Yeah. So it That's won't, bad. I won't say it won't be unusual, but like, yeah, Quinn was what technically four. He was four before he got, got, and then like, GM and then the Fergler came in and he was starting to do shit without even telling him behind his back. So no, so no, yeah, so no, he was kind of the GM for five years, but not on paper. <laughs> Burglar was GM for way longer than you'd think. I went, we were, because we were looking yeah, at the, like the different tenures and I'm like, oh my God, JFJ was around forever. Burglar was, was what? Like from 04 to like 08. But it, it, and it seems shorter because one of the years was a lockout year. Yeah. Right. I'm so that nothing really happened. His tenure, you know, with the people who were like, he was good, just ownership wouldn't let him execute his vision. Yeah, I know. That's one of the biggest cop outs of, of all time. Like, just. <laughs> uh, Hey, should we should we talk goaltending? Sure, we we should. And I, but I do want to I do want to wrap up that point because I I think it goes on a few things. I just one I brought up the article and it's not I'm picking on this one, but there's a number of different writers or mainstream that you could find on this topic, or even just whatever commenters, personalities, whatever you want to call them. It's like the fact that it's deemed crazy to like think of firing a guy or not renewing his contract when they haven't won anything like i'm so it's not crazy like there's it's like, unreal that, 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 that's that is ridiculous language the wrong direction if i'm yeah. ownership and that's the case i'm thinking wow my general manager is really good at managing the media and one of the most difficult media markets in north american sports mm-hmm. he's obviously I, doing something well if all these guys are still uh you know thinking like no way there should be pressure on him that's actually an it, achievement. it in a weird way it is but in the ultimate bottom line of of winning i find it like crazy and i i think it's been like i don't want brendan shanahan to listen to whatever the fuck steve simmons or chris johnson has to say good lord of course not so that more that's more to your point so if if they're all saying hey keep them then maybe that alone is is a tip-off but all that to say is i i just find Look, the fan base is generally like this with a player or two. There's always a whipping boy or two. Toronto's always been famous for that. It's obviously Nylander right now. In part, is Justin Hole. It was obviously Gardner for a very long time. Phil Kessel for quite a while. Tyler Bozak had a real run there where a a lot of people loved him. Brian McCabe, Aki Berg, obviously. Andropov. Andropov was a huge one because they drafted him ahead of Alex Tangay. Brief but memorable how Pavel Kubina after his big contract was a hot topic there. But this is the first time that I can recollect. Yeah, 
this is the first time where I can recall that it's been like this divided when it comes to the GM. Because and so, how, how much do you think? Because I, I know Dubas came in, and he was a bit of a you know golden child, and kind of like oh embraces analytics and whatever you know. How much of this is, is, is do you think is like ideologically based, like with old school? I think a large saying. part of it is, and I think there's which 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 I, yeah. I I understand to a certain extent, but the same I think a large like, part of the people who hate him is also ideologically based. There yeah, are people who don't like what he represents, and, and they want Brian Burke or Jim a hundred percent on their team too. And, just, and there's a certain kind of aura to him. I, I don't think so as much now. I actually think Dubas has gotten a lot better uh, speaking to the media and whatnot. I think early on in his tenure, he would say or come across certain ways where you're like... Speaking points. That, yeah, that's that's not the best. This isn't Twitter. Yeah. Um, he, he did come across like that, but I actually have really enjoyed his interviews over the past year and change. I think he's he's legitimately gotten way better. Uh, to the point where I'm actively in, engaged in what he's saying. But yeah, I think early on, especially there was an aura to him that really turned people off of him or yeah. at least a certain segment of the fan base. And then obviously each year as they've continued to not advance in the playoffs, it's only really furthered it to the point where it's like, it's insanely divided, right? Where um, it's like, you're either one way or the other. It's, it's like, you can't point out anything negative because then it's just like you hate the guy and, and you want to get him fired or you point out anything positive it's like you're just blowing by the fact that they haven't won anything well, this is because and, you're the like a huge like leafs influencer and you have this massive platform though I can which also I can plays and nobody gives a shit but, nobody yeah. <laughs> but to be honest like what <laughs> I, I if i talk about some leaf dads i might get some, some <laughs> but but here's where i generally play because i think there are there definitely are certain like that article that we referenced a few times now, that was a glorified PR piece. Like that was crazy. Like that was a hundred percent water carrying what happened there. That was entirely one-sided. Like you really shouldn't see. I I'm just at, ultimately at the end of the day, like I'm just a fan. I really don't give a fuck who's in charge. I want to see them win. Yeah. My only question is whether I think the people in charge can get it done or not. And I have concerns at that point because or at this point, because they haven't gotten it done, obviously, which obviously stems through the entire roster and coaching staff and everybody associated with the entire umbrella of the organization. But ultimately if it's Dubas, great. I'll be happy for the guy. I don't care. I've never seen this team win a thing. No, just haven't even win. Gone to like a cup since day, 67. No, like it's been this way for me forever. Back in the day when the devils played the way they did. Sure. I used to clown them. I used to talk about what bullshit hockey they played and how boring it was. They won. But like when people were like, people are like, well, like I would hate to at least play like that. Like we won the cup fucking neutral zone trapping and playing. Playing. Yeah, I, I would have loved it. Yeah, I Quinn refused. I'd, I'd have a trap shirt on right now. For yeah. Go up two in the third period and just like put a pillow over the other team's face. I would love if the Leafs could do that. They've never been able to do that my entire life. First, first championship I ever experienced as a fan was Italy winning the World Cup in 2006. And I just ran that show for like 10 years, like straight. Like it was pretty much like there was nothing. Like as far as I'm concerned, the Raptors are still the NBA champions. Like I don't even show what anybody says. Like they want to talk about like we're still champs. Like I don't know what's happened since then with COVID and whatnot, but raps are still champs as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, just with like, COVID. Yeah. Like COVID, you got the bubble playoffs, you got all that crap. Like the Raptors are still champs. Like I don't want to hear anything otherwise. I don't give a shit how they won. Like I I just want to see them go on a run. Like I want to see like some substance. I want to see some like games where you're like that's a signature game like that was yeah, that was the game make some memories for you yeah there. the only the only memorable games we have are unfortunately 
heartbreaking ones. And the last really memorable one was what I was talking about was uh, um, the Matthews debut. I mean, after that, maybe the game where against the Capitals where Naz threw that huge hit and Matthews scored right after that was the Marner shot block game to end the Boston game five. But those are like more moments than games. Yeah. Yeah. But they don't really get remembered because they don't add up to they, the end There's result. no story. There's no, there's nothing that goes with it, which I is... have this summer watched the handshake line with Tampa a few times on repeat. Pause <laughs> Corey Perry's face. And he just, there's an aura of, and he's from Peterborough. So I know. Did you compare Corey Perry's face in the lineup with Montreal versus Tampa? Yeah. And it's different. And, and night, and day, the, the... night and day. <laughs> People don't, people don't dig in and want, want to watch the games, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just those lack of like, you know, even, and, and I know a lot of people are right. Like they currently clown on the Islanders, for example, the Islanders went to back-to-back conference finals and you can with debate, rosters and you can debate right. what part Lou played in that. That's but the all, part of this that makes me be like, this is all just fucking like random number generation. Yeah. Fact, part of Islanders teams. Those Islanders teams were shit. We were 40% better than those teams. And they yeah, were extremely That's an auto-generated number. Rounds, but, but like, I'm just like, what the fuck is the point of this? But like, would I say in like a Tuesday in November, were we 40% better than those teams? Yes. But like in a playoff series, when you have to grind out games and you have to grind yes. out shifts and you have to grind out moments, were they much better? Yes. Like, the, no, we were the, still better than them. They just like, like when they played Tampa, like they went to game seven against Tampa both times. And that was to go to the cup final. And here we are. And Leaf fans have been celebrating that they took Tampa to seven in round one. My earlier point, this is why I think Barry Trotz is an amazing hockey coach. And should have been given, I don't know why we didn't hear why isn't Barry Trotz in the frame to replace Sheldon. I I think we did. I think that was a very curious comment as well. Because Dubas basically said, like he pretty much said, actually, when I say pretty much, he did say. Like, I think we could be talking about Sheldon Keefe as a Barry Trotz type coach. Like Barry Trotz is the third winningest coach in the history of the NHL. And I like Keefe and he's done a pretty good job so far, but to wildly make that comparison in the, that guy's third year when Trotz is third all time and wins all time in the history of the league. Do they count wins in interest squad scrimmages though? Cause I hear the Habs that, do. It's that's for probably, scoring chances. If you're, you're, Team blue, like, dominant. Yeah, but all that to say is I find it, like, just strange to hear all the um, – and, yeah, I don't think – I think the Islanders are actually a little bit better this year than people are giving them credit for. They, they had a lot of things go wrong last year, including starting with a 12-game road they're trip. Not, but they're on the wrong side of the yeah, curve. I, right yeah, I, I don't think they're going anywhere. I just think they're – but all that to say is – Danny, how do you still believe there's a curve? The, there's just a for, fucking merry-go-round, and we're trapped for, on it. For no, 20 no, – I think – I mean, you, you look at the age of their lineup, and it's like – how are these guys for, still? For still 20 old? years, though, Leaf fans basically ha- hung their hat on two back-to-back conference finals appearances, which is essentially oh, I'm, what, I'm yeah, take, which is what the Islanders just did. Yeah, but I think I think the environment that or the 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 state of the league when the Leafs won the when the or went to conference finals, old teams were the norm, and they are not now, no. right? And yeah. I think the Islanders stuck out to me. We look at the roster, like man, how are these? And they're not that talented. And they are old as well, so I don't th- I don't see any guy big up. Uh, you know, I think that's been the toughest thing to reconcile, myself included. Where you look at the roster and you say it's a really talented group, but why aren't they getting it done? Yeah, and like that is probably you can you can definitely stomach better if you look at the two if you look at rosters and you go honestly like they're just not that like good of a roster. Like they 
they laid it all out there and so, it just... okay another way to frame this is 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 what's going to make this team get over the hump is it is it Matt something Murray. that the core group can do more of or is it the players around the core group and don't say both it, like, I, is it like you need me, more from austin matthews or you need more from the guys in the well, bottom i place? do think you do need more from austin matthews like especially in game six and seven like there was a number of plays where he just actively passed up shooting like yeah. he was in spots where he could rip the puck he's the best goal scorer in the league and he was passing it and i was sitting there going this guy has to be the hunter like was so, he bad no like, so, was he but, hunting no so is that about his own like maturity process then yeah, right? I, he, like, he, yeah. Like, like, like what what can keith do in that situation it's not on keith i'm saying like hey yo fucking shoot yeah if matthews is in his own head and is out like you know, is, is psyching himself out is that more just his own path he has to go on? Right? It's 100% more so on the Matthews maturing in the playoffs. I think we saw a little bit of maturing last year from Marner compared to the Hab series. It would oh, be, like, I mean, like night and day for yeah. sure, I thought. Night so that, like, there were strides made. And that, that was why, to me, like going into the offseason, I went, all right, like either you shake up the group a little bit and like people seem to have a disconnect of like shake the group up means like you trade a good player and take a shit player in return, but it doesn't have to be like that at all. Like the, all the Leafs players had good seasons. Their values were all very high. If they really, I, I, I have I actually, I have no problem yeah. with keeping the corks. I, yeah. I, I believe very much in all those guys and that you're not going to move Tavares. No, I think, I think Willie's going to have a, I think Willie's going to have a great year this year. Um, I think he would have been interesting to consider moving just because he had two years left on his contract. He just had a career season, had nothing to do with the player. I like him. He's good. I was like, I was like, how are you going to change the mix and get better? He was the one. Yeah. That out. He was yeah. the only one you consider really. Yeah. Right? And he was but, the most tradable with his contract for sure as well. But yes. I think there's, I think there's ups. I, I think he has the ability still to uh, outplay his contract um, over the next two years. Yeah, he, he definitely will. He, will. he is outplaying it. The, the thing that I'll say then is I thought, okay, if you're going to keep everyone, then add a player of substance. And they didn't. Like, they did nothing on defense. Well, Kelly Arncroft is not like, a player of substance. Like, letting, like, a JBR walk is, like, an own rental. Isn't re-signing Morgan Riley, like, an own blockbuster UFA signing? No. <laughs> I was it's not. <laughs> but, but I will say, like, I think, I think you know um, – as I look at the roster going into going into the start of the season, I actually feel better this year. Granted, there's a bunch of unknowns still like there were last year, but like Geo was a fucking awesome signing. Yes. And we, and we only had him for like whatever, 10 regular season games. And like, I, I feel better about our decor, you know, Muzzin's potential injuries, you know, aside. Um, Geo's huge. And I think we should expect better things from, from little Jags and from Sandine, you know, I like, love, I love the Giordano acquisition. Um, I would, I wanted him before the deadline. I constantly wrote that they should add a defenseman. I thought he fit in perfectly. At, like you couldn't ask for anything more than what Gio and he I love the great, way. Great yeah. signing, great contract. Like he fits so well with the team. I think it, I think it's going to go down as one of his top three moves of, of his tenure. Even like, even if he stays for another like five, 10 years, like I, I think yeah. the Giordano move is going to go down as one of the big ones. And I, I love, I work, he's 38. I love him. Yeah. He's 38. But one thing I do love that I want to say is, and I love how Justin Bourne has termed him. He says like, he's an adult out there. And like, when I look at like some of the bullshit, like that the Leafs like antics wise, like allow to happen at times or don't take exception to or whatever, like the things like, especially 
um, older fan base, like fans who've been like around the team for decades, not like since Matthews got drafted, that will have a little bit more of an understanding or appreciation for. I think Giordano is a bit more of that old school type to like look around and say like, that shit's not going to fly here. Yeah, settle down. Like, yeah. yeah. Or like when you get a guy like Kyle Clifford in the lineup and he takes a boarding major on the first shift of the game and you're I love that, to be honest. It I, was, I, had, I had no issue with it. I had no – if you if you said to me going in, like right now, if you said game one, Leafs playoffs, 2023, the Le- Clifford's again going to run someone to eternity <laughs> to start the game, I'll be like, perfect, sign me up. Mm. All right, so to go but, back to like – okay. My question – my all I would have said is pick a better player than Russ Colton. Yeah, that's all uh, I would say. But yeah. I did have some reader Nick, questions, Nick, unless Corey, you have a point. Okay, but, well, well, but, but we haven't we haven't we haven't touched one, one, guys. We've talked for like forty five minutes. We haven't talked about goaltending one. Well, that's why I was okay. Good. That's the same thing I was going to say because yeah. I'm like, how is it not shaking up the core group if you let Campbell walk and bring in two completely new goaltenders when it's the most important position on the team? That's a huge. Shame. So I actually, you know. Goalies, it's man. Huge, it's a it's a huge Brandon question. Goalies, goalies are because last year you were talking about how Peter Mrazek was going to put up a nine thirty. Listen, I, I did I, like Peter Mrazek. I, I, I think he got hurt, and it just never happened for it him. Never man. happened. He got but hurt. I think, he got listen, hurt. Yeah. I, I love Jack Campbell. He seems like a really like likable guy for sure. But I've seen nothing that would warrant a five year contract. And I went back and looked at the numbers today. No, I was fine with that. His his calendar 2022 numbers, he was an 893. My my only issue with the Matt Murray thing is like they didn't make Ottawa eat more cap and or add a better sweetener. 100%. And, it, and you're negotiating against Pierre Dorian. Like I could not imagine how embarrassing those conversations must have been. Like I would pay so much money to hear the recording of that trade negotiation. That, you're you're bang on, and, and like as I saw, like you know, the chatter about this this contract happening or this trade happening, I thought, okay, Ottawa's eating fifty percent at least of Murray's contract. Okay, if we want to be consistent yeah. with the flip side of this, if Matt Murray has a sick playoffs and we win two rounds, nobody cares. No yeah. one cares. Yeah, yeah. If Murray wins, then I'm not going to say shit. Nobody I just in terms of the value of the deal at the time, it's a shitty but, value. Yeah. I remember well, the I think I fell for. I was like, that's a terrible value. That dude's super old. We gave him that much money. Guess what? Yeah. He's awesome. Belfour was sick, but at least Belfour was basically always sick his entire career. Murray was like out of the league last but, year. But but like like the Campbell thing, the fact that Campbell wanted five years, it was a non-star. Yeah, no. Like, no, I wouldn't have paid Campbell that. I think that and, and again, that's the kind of move that you have to give Dubis credit for. Like he hasn't signed this like crippling thing where you're like, this can be a boat anchor for like and he, and he was you could, you could tell he was looking at everything. Okay, we've got uh, Marners and Tavares in three years, and then uh, Matthews and Nylander in two years, or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, he was like, I'm not going to hamstring myself with a, a shitty contract when I have these contracts coming up that I need to, I need to deal with. And like I said, Campbell did. Like Campbell was decent last year. He was okay against Tampa. He wasn't great, but I, I wasn't like you know. Hey, they got they got to resign him. You know, he's so like, no. he was fine though. I do think when people like talk about totally Campbell, fine. like Campbell was not the reason they lost that series. No, not at all, not at all. And he wasn't, he wasn't the reason they were in it though either. The reason they lost that series is they couldn't come up with any big time goals when it came down to it. Yeah, that's what I agree. Like too. your your overtime game six. Don't even start on Kerfoot, who we, everyone knows how I feel about him. <laughs> and uh, nice guy though. I met him at a bar <laughs> last season. Oh, did you? Yeah, it was funny. <laughs> Hey, by the uh, way, I absolutely I know you on a fucking podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, nice to meet you. Good luck this season. <laughs> but, you know, beyond that, like, it just, 
I look at it and say, fine, you want to bet on Murray? I have no issue with that. But like you have Pierre Dorian on the other line, like who I would consider bottom five guys that I would want to destroy in a negotiation, who I think would be the easiest to. And they owe they owed Murray 13 mil in hard cash. And it's the Ottawa Senators. You hang up. You call the bluff. Like there was no market for Murray. There was. was crazy. I think it was us. I think we really wanted Matt Murray. <laughs> yeah, we outbid ourselves. So this is the kind that is I this felt is a lot the kind better of the Matt Murray thing once they signed Samsonov for that number. For sure. Agreed. I okay. I always wanted Samsonov as a hedge. I think they needed to, and I'm and the fact that that was the first thing they did in the offseason. I was like, all right, like I I see what he's doing here, and I get it. Because yeah, because there, there was a moment where I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, yeah. we're gonna like, okay. back like Matt Murray and Michael Hutchinson because we ran out of money. I was like, they were, <laughs> yeah, you know. but if it doesn't work, the, the Murray acquisition is a move that genuinely gets you fired. Like yep. that, this is also him again going like back to the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. Well, it's his guy from the Sioux. Yeah. He, the the negotiation price was definitely not what it should have been, however way you want to term it. Like, and if he shit and it tanks their season or like tanks them in the playoffs round one, like that is something that gets you fired. Oh, no, I, I think it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of things that can that get, get dubs fired, but like goaltending is always the most obvious thing that you can point to. I think this will be the big one, though. Like, honestly, even like I can't really think of any other major roster thing. The only other roster thing I'd say is he's probably waited too long on the defense. Like, and we're already hearing Muzzin's hurt, and he just seemed a prime candidate to. I mean, did you even shop him in summer? I was surprised that we didn't hear more about trying to move off Muzzin's mind. Right, and I mean, he's already hurt. I love Muzzin to death. He was great, but he uh, he's he's a guy. like talking about curves, like it feels like he's finding his back end of the curve really quickly and it's troubling for sure. Yeah. I was, I was happy to see, like how weird was the Sandine thing though, right? Like the way Sandine played out. That Sandine was getting bad advice from someone because that someone, whole thing was embarrassing. That was bizarre. For him, like, not for Dubas. Oh, what could, great for us for sure. But like. Yeah, but Dubas handled it well the whole way. There was a point where he came out and discussed it and you could tell, and this was about a month or a month and a half ago, and you could tell Dubas was a little confused and upset that he had to even discuss it. You could see it in his face. He was kind of like, I can't believe I have to deal with this for this fucking guy. Like, just sign your contract and prove it. That we have to discuss these fucking mailbag questions, but you let, you know, some of yeah. these bronies. From- hey, sorry, go for it. No, these are, we, so we do have some good ones. Assuming the Leafs have to move someone for cap reasons, who would you like to see moved? And there are a few options provided, Kerfoot, Hole, or Engvall. But it could, if you want to go off board, feel free. Uh, okay, out of those three, Kerfoot, out of anyone, Tavares. Yeah, I think Tavares oh, is a non-starter, though. I don't think they could go to him. Pick yeah, no, I know. I know you can. I'm... I'm just saying, like, I don't. And, think- and, I, and I actually don't disagree. I think from, from a cap, from a cap flexibility standpoint, what you're giving up, that'd be huge for sure. I'd probably say Kerfoot too, even though I, I like him better than I like Hall. I just think um, having seven NHL defensemen is not a bad thing with guys who are potentially injured as well or, or battling through. Um, but yeah, so I'd say I'd take my Kerfoot. This will <laughs> surprise everyone that I'm not going to say Kerfoot. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it, it actually is. And I'm going to actually say Pierre Engvall, hmm. who I thought looked like if Pat Quinn was running this team, Engvall would have been gone this summer after that playoff showing. 
I don't think Quinn would have looked at him in the face again. He was pretty and, invisible. He was and I understand invisible. that Kerfoot missed a, a golden opportunity in overtime. And I get that he threw the behind the back pass. And I get that he hasn't really scored as well either. But I do find him just a little bit more versatile. And, and like he is a good penalty killer. And he does do a few things out there. I don't like Kerfoot. I would move him separately. But if it was just to like make the money work, and move forward with the roster for the time being. It'd be Engvall. I just I look at him and say, "What's his contract though?" Engvall has a year left, and then he's going to be a UFA. And he's what, like one point eight or two point two? No, he's like two point two five. Yeah, or two point two. That's what I mean. I'm, a lot of the reason I pick Kerfoot is because the numbers were a lot bigger than the other guys. So yeah, he's, he's, Kerfoot's he's making more money. Not great NHL player for cap reasons, then just give me the biggest number. Yeah, yeah. Kurt, I I do think Kerfoot's a genuine top nine forward i think engvall is too but i think engvall is a true like third liner who also just doesn't really do much in the playoffs whereas i do think kerfoot is like not i can't picture engvall playing with matthews or Tavares. i know people talk about it all the time they're like oh, oh god no. like no like, absolutely not he has zero vision or sense like he's just he's out there skating drills the way he handles the puck <laughs> like it's just I can't I can't well, he, picture him working with those guys. But Kerfoot does. Third liner for sure. Yeah. So for if I could fit the cap, then it would be Engvall. Question two: um, How big? We talked about this a little bit. How big of a risk is the Leafs' age defensive group for competing coming up in the next one to three years? Even taking into account Sandy and Lilgren, and I think it's pretty big personally. I, I, Riley is like half a step away from like being a problem especially at that number. Muzzin is concerning. Giordano's 38 and signed for two years. Brody at best is plateauing as to what he is. He's not getting better. I like Sandine and Lilligren. I question the ceiling on both. I think they could both be good, but can they be great? And if they aren't great, then what are you doing? When was the last time we had a great defenseman? Brian Leach? I'm not even joking. I think Tommy Caberlet. Riley is a great. Defense. I love. No, no. Riley's good, but not great. Yeah, he's good. He's not great. He's not great. I respectfully I, disagree, to, you guys. Okay. He's not a horse, man. No. He's not. I. I he's don't not. think it's. Yeah, but, 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 saying that, like. I don't think a single elite forward in the league is like. Oh shit! I have to play against Jordan Riley tonight. tonight. Like you want There's to put not him a single one. Niedermeyer tier, you know. Okay. Like, no. 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 Of like course. those are great defensemen. Yeah. Those are great defense. There's not a single forward who's thinking like, oh man, I got to play against Mo tonight. Like right now we have like two good defensemen and like three or four fine defensemen and one okay defenseman on any given roughly. I'd say the concern level. I mean, I came on last year and I said I was concerned about this. So I'm still concerned, even though last year they were good. I think think Lilgren's going to be a lot. The um, defense to me is the one area where, where like I've been disappointed with their creativity and like he's done well to add and make it a group, but then like he's insanely loyal to his guys. Like we already just talked about Muzzin. I think he could have at least explored Brody if like Muzzin was a no go. Yeah. I mean, he obviously signed Morgan Riley to a long term contract, and I know the number is palatable for a lot of people, but like that's a lot of money for a guy whose best thing you can say is power play one quarterback. I would say, no, I, you, I, I'm not. I'm not concerned with. That's like, I actually, I feel good about the defense this year. As to the aging question, yeah, it's a big fucking problem for sure, obviously. 
Because, like, I mean, Musk was power play quarterback is super unfair. That's what you say about Mark Andre Bergeron. Morgan Riley is a really good. He's, no, he's more than that. But I At think five on five, he drives offense. He's just not. Great he he is more than that, and he is good offensively five on five too. But like, that's the main thing I think of when I think of Riley. Like, he's just an offensive defenseman. Yeah. And I think to your point, power play Anthony, one, I, think, I think we got to get that guy off power play one so we can get Tyson Berry some fucking reps. And go <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say to the guy who's played on the Maple Leafs since 20 and represented the team with class the that entire was, time. That was crazy. That was low key a really shitty thing to do. It was. And yeah. Mo handled it in stride. And that's why I love the guy, like in terms of character and like one of the few guys on the team that's a really good player in the, like a, in the league, but like not a great player again. But like he he seems to have a very little ego and he's also been one of the only guys who's actually showed up in big games like he's yeah. had a number of moments that we would talk about a lot more had the rest of the team like held their weight yeah. and they actually won we just again they got lost because that's what happens when you don't win people don't remember random good shit you did along the way and then you lost they'll remember it if you end up becoming a winner the way people do now with Kyle Lowry and the Raptors but no one was like talking about Hey, remember that sick Kyle Lowry game that they had like three years before they won the NBA championship? And now they do. That's what happens when you win. Yeah, I, th- I think this this year for the Leafs with the defense is like probably probably the last year where I I, I well, feel com- like comfortable and confident. Um, and a lot rides on on Sandy and Lilligren um, improving because there are older guys who are like we're not going to get the same output from from Riley. Hall's gone. I think Muzzin's broken. You know, we'll get Brody and Geo for two more years. And then it's like, then what do you do? And I, if you look at the Leafs, like contracts, not just on Dion forward, like we have bought like a, apocalypse coming in two years, almost in terms of like, who's actually on the team. Like it can be, it can be a complete do over and a complete blow up at that point, you know? So, um, so I go in, I go into this year confident with the, with the defense better than last year, but it, I think it's going to be short lived. Yeah. I, I think this is like the, Again, like a year last like really needs to happen. Yep. I just and and that's why I kind of look at some of the groups is like you're gonna have and, a last hurrah. Shouldn't you have had a first hurrah at some point? <laughs> just a hurrah. No, they, they had some years where it looked good, man. <laughs> Didn't yeah, go anywhere, but like, it looked good. It's just like we have all these good team problems without having actually done any of the things good teams do. That's that's the tough thing. Like you could sit there and say, like, yeah, I don't give a fuck now because like they won. But like you can't, so now you're just you're we're sitting there and you're us now. And the flip like, side is like oh, there's shit. very few of these guys that I'll be sad to see walk out the door as sick as they are as players because I just don't have that many good memories. Yeah, there'll be no attachment. Like, like if, oh yeah, great. You know, like when people were talking like Jack Campbell, I'm like, oh yeah, Jack yeah. Campbell. I'm gonna be real heartbroken to see him go. He played. I, he played 80 games for us. For yeah, whatever it is. Like who cares? I, you know? I floated the idea of trading uh, Brody if like they couldn't move Muzzin just based on no trade and whatever, just in order to clear some money and like move things around a little bit and i got a lot of pushback on it and i was like cares what like what is like i don't mind brody what like my biggest memory is getting walked by nick paul in game seven at home congrats like nick paul like all right next question i I hope paul bought him a steak dinner this summer after he signed (laughs) that deal jesus christ you're getting dark anthony i know so what are your feelings on how the leafs have managed their cap would you have preferred they leave a little buffer or use every dollar to maximize their roster right now. I, I would probably err. I would err on the side of, of leaving buffer just because you don't know how the season's going to play out with injuries and whatever, you know? So I think going all in early is, is risky, but I mean, who knows, right? 
I'm fine with it. They work with such constraints with the cap never going up and having so much tied up on their top four players that I think they've always done a really good job of refreshing their roster and building around it. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we look a little bit too tight at it um, because like a lot of teams are in the same boat as the Leafs, right? So it's not it's not like this is unique to the Leafs. Well, you no, could no. say the the structure of like four or five players making as much money as they do is unique to the Leafs, yes. But the overall cap in terms of cap usage result is very similar. I would have honestly, I would have been okay if, with their offseason if they act like, and it's weird. Like ideally, I would have just w- rather have signed one good player to a good contract like Nino Niederreiter type. Or I would have rather have just done nothing, including not signing Cali Yarncroc and just sign a few of the Ob Kubels and the Zach Austin Reese's and basically handed Nick Robertson a gig and said, you got 40 games to impress me uh, or you can go play against Yuri Slavkovsky in the AHL. And we didn't talk about Roberts, but I think Robertson is actually going to be an important person this year in terms of, does he actually take, take a he, step forward? He has to be. He, he, he represents be, the biggest right? hope for improvement among the forward group. Like the rest of the forward 100%. group essentially is what it is. Robertson is probably their biggest X factor. Although it might be Pontus Holmberg at this rate who actually <laughs> looks quite good and, mm-hmm. and it's hard to find good centers. So if he's a good center, that's not nothing like that's like he scored tonight too. Uh, no, he, no, actually he didn't. I got a weird notification from the score. He did not score, but <laughs> he has looked good and I have quite liked him. Probably putting up a lot of scoring chances in the interest squads. Yeah. I don't know how he would perform in a Montreal Canadiens interest squad practice game, but we'll have Kent Hughes Probably work well. back with his numbers. Uh, and last question, um, which I'll stick to is if you had to switch one left-handed D to the right or vice versa, which would you choose? Okay. Morgan Riley playing on the right is dumb. Yeah. I don't think he can do it. Yeah, I don't think you should ask him. <laughs> no. Uh, left handy on the right. We're, we're not talking about TJ Brody already doing it. You could pick him if you want, if you want sure, to stick with that. TJ Brody, he's great at it. Okay, question. Is, is Sandine left-handed? Yes. Yeah. I'd probably say him just given his age because he, he can maybe adapt easier. He has less ingrained kind of playing habits, but I don't know. The whole thing seems like it's not a great idea. I, I would probably Sandine. go with Mark Giordano. Mm. okay he's he's played the right before in his career he's older i think he just again he's an adult out there he just he's a vet he knows yeah, he understands the game Giordano too is you can run him out there he's going to be playing a lot of like third and fourth line so it's, it's really- yeah like i i'd probably go lower in the lineup if possible um you know he- they need they need justin hole to have a good year i'm actually optimistic for hole hole i you know a little bit of a hole defender here i think he got a lot of unwarranted shit last year he had an illness last summer, lost a bunch of weight, came to camp, clearly not in shape and unhealthy, got off to a slow start. Muzzin played like absolute shit beside him. And then for some reason, Hole basically ate all of that. And none of that mattered because it's the regular season and it's not important. By the time the playoffs yeah. rolled around, he was fine. He was just in Hall. I thought he was fine. People complained about that one goal, which to me was always on Andre Kasha for blowing the zone for no reason, uh, which was insane. And yeah, I, I think he needs to have a good year. He's in a contract year. I think he's going to have a good season, to be honest. I, it would be nice to have one more nice righty. Lilligren obviously looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he gets healthy. And I'm curious about Sandine. Like I just, you know, that, he, that was a lot for card, him. Man. Like, like a lot of a wild card, actually. Like there's a lot of hopes riding on Sandine, but like. 
mainly mainly when it came to him that he was like really trying to proposition himself for opportunity and then his agent came out with that loser statement after he signed the contract that was was like so bizarre he saw that they were hurt and like needed him like are you kidding like that was real loser who do you think we are (laughs) like that was like it was awful that's the kind of thing where if I was an agent like or a GM, sorry, I'd be like, I don't want to deal with this fucking agent. Like, who are his clients? Like, I'll I'll be looking elsewhere if I can. And there that does happen a lot within pro sports leagues where there certain teams or certain GMs, they just do not want to deal with certain players because of who they're represented by. As a Seahawks fan, I the Seahawks hated Russell Wilson's agent. They had zero interest in negotiating another contract with him. And that stemmed from their negotiation that already took place like four years ago. I just, I'd be looking at that like this yeah, crazy. This gone, guy's I'm nuts. I'm sure Geno Smith's agent is a super cool guy. <laughs> yeah, he must be a great guy. I mean, Geno's going to fall off a cliff, but while he's blacking out right now, I got all the time in the world for it. So, all right. And we have any parting thoughts as we wrap up here, heading to a new season? Go, Leafs, go. Feel the, feel the rush, baby. There's always next year. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hope we get closure one way or the other. I hope we either it fails and something new happens or they go far and awesome. Let's just have a great time enjoying that ride and ride yeah, it we all can't, out. We can't, we can't have any more kind but, of this like. Yeah. What, what I can handle is, is moral victory round one loss. They won round two and then flamed out quickly and it was shit. Like I need it one way or the other, either like it didn't work or it did, but not like some middle ground, which is the thing I fear the most, where it's like they won around against like a crappy, Florida. I don't know, Boston team that like squeaked into the playoffs. And that's and, and, and doesn't tell us anything about the team. Yeah. And then they just lose in round one, like in five or six, or sorry, round two and five or six. And like they're like, well, they won around, so we got to extend the GM and run it all well, back is, again. This is on us, though, because like too, there's been too much banter about they have to win a round. It's like, well, actually, no, they have to do more than that. They have to win a couple of rounds. Like, I think they, if they don't get the conference final this year, like, yeah, I would entertain fucking I, like the, the amount of victory laps and celebrating that I already know will happen when the Leafs eventually win just one round will be embarrassing. Like it's one round. It's, I won't, I won't be there. I won't be I, there at all. I'll be happy that they won, but like, I'll just be like, all right, on to round two. Like I giddy up the next day. I'll have an article being like this, who they're playing round two, like get gear up. Let's go. I want to see barely any celebrating from it. Unless it's like a game seven overtime, like, you know, Perfect. if it was yeah. against Tampa and they won game seven overtime, fine. Celebrate a little bit, but. I just want some closure on what's going to happen one way or the other. Yep. So that that's what we'll end off on guys. Thanks as always for joining. Julian was supposed to join us. Tiller. I got, got, a, I got a text about that. That said, It just said, fuck. Sorry. Julian, <laughs> uh, just like Liverpool this season hasn't shown up. <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Tiller, enjoy. Uh, is it raw? Monday night raw? Raw's war, baby. Okay. <laughs> Ciao, guys. See you guys. Thanks again for joining. Thanks. Everyone is looking at me. Time is running and we're down by three. Look inside yourself. What do you see? The pain is in your mind. No, nothing stops me. Everyone is looking at me. I was blind and we're down by three. Look inside yourself. I know what I see. Do you have the guts to do?